If Stu choose shoes, should Stu choose the shoes he choose? Okay. I think they're easier when they make sense. Oh, so you're looking for one that doesn't make sense. If it doesn't make sense, that's a lot harder, I think. How about this one? This is a really difficult one. Okay. I was born on a pirate ship. I was born on a pirate <laughs> ship. <laughs> oh, wait, there's a note here. You're supposed to hold your tongue while saying it. Like That's really what it says. I was born on a pirate ship. <laughs> I can remember doing that when I was a kid. Uh, Still just as funny. Yeah. I don't know why, but it is. <laughs> it is. Digging in the crates for something good. Hidden gems often misunderstood. Cause you know there's no such thing as too much. Miscellaneous important stuff. Welcome back to the show. Today, my friend Marnie is back. She was first featured in episode eight where we talked about living a creative life. Today, she's back and we're talking about mental health, one of my favorite topics. Marnie and I have had lots of conversations about mental health over really the last few years. She's one of my favorite people to talk to about mental health. And today, we got into a pretty deep discussion about her struggles with her own mental health over the years. It was a lot of fun. Even though it may not sound like it, it was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoy it too. Here it is. Marnie. Hello. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you for having me back. <laughs> I feel like every time I start a show, I start laughing. It's like I'm la laughing at myself. Right. Honestly. I, no, I get that. I, I have this moment like right before I start when I'm like, everything gets really quiet and whoever I'm doing it with gets really quiet. Yeah. And there's this moment where I almost like blank out and forget what I'm even supposed to say. Yeah. It's the moment where it goes from uh, just natural conversation to recording and you go, I don't know how to be normal anymore. Exactly. And it makes some people get really weird. Isn't that weird though? I mean, yeah. cameras do that too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Turn on a camera and yeah. people forget who they are. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's really true. And you're like, we're still in the same room, having the same conversation. But yeah. now you know right. we're recording. Yeah. My favorite is when they like keep looking at the camera. Yeah. Like, is it still on? Yeah, exactly. Is it still on me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The good thing about audio is um, at least, you know, nobody's going to look in your face later. That's true. Not that there's anything wrong with your face or mine, but. That's true. Like I, I've been told multiple times in the last month that I have a good radio voice. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, is my face not good? Do I not have a TV well, face? Well, it's only bad if somebody says that to your face. That's true. And they all have. If, oh, <laughs> well, I'm imagining this in like comments. Oh, okay. No, no, no. This is all people that I know that are just oh. like, you have a really good radio voice. They're not good people. Right. Mean. That's mean. Because what you want to say is you have a good television face and yeah. a good radio voice. Exactly. If television doesn't work hear. out for you. Exactly. Like if they had any tact, that's yeah. what they'd say. That's how you sweet talk people. Exactly. Um, but anyway, we're not here for that tonight. Yeah. We're here to talk about brains. Brains. What's wrong with yours? <laughs> so much. <laughs> um, so when I was 22, I was diagnosed as bipolar, type one. Um, there are two types. So I think the main difference between those two is that like with mine... 
I experienced the highs and the lows. And I think with bipolar type two, it's mainly depression. So I experienced mm. mania actually probably more than I experienced depression. I would say like I have to watch for it more, but, um, that's the major thing that's wrong with my brain, but I also have PTSD. So, um, that's a fun combination at times. You got all the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So what's wrong with your brain? Uh, let's not go there yet. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> let's continue with we, your brain. We're still on my brain. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, um, I think that I noticed something was different about my brain when I was about 11, because that is the first time I can remember feeling any kind of like existential depression and just being very like disturbed as an 11 year old, not like disturbed, like, like <laughs> not in a, in murder, a dangerous way, <laughs> in a dangerous, not in a murdery kind of way, but just like realizing that. I was going to die and becoming kind of obsessed with that. And um, like self-harm started happening at that point in time. And that increased throughout my teenage years until someone intervened when I was in high school. And it wasn't until I was about 22 that I actually got the diagnosis that really changed my life. So, yeah. That's a long time to wait, though. It is a long time. And apparently they can't diagnose you until you're over 18. Is well, it that way with? ADHD or with OCD or anything like that? I don't know. Okay. I'm not sure because I, I didn't go to a therapist for the first time until I was mm, like 28. Okay. Okay. So mm, maybe. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember I had like, I'll come back to this, okay, but I, right. I had like symptoms of OCD when I was like real young, but mm -hmm. I didn't know any better. I was like, ah, I got this. I'll figure right. it out. Mm -hmm. Um, Man, when you were 11, though. So we met when we were 12, 12, 12 13, 12, turning mm -hmm. 13. Yeah. So like, what was the, like, what was the biggest thing back then that was wrong? I mean, what, was it just, you said that, that first feeling of depression. Yeah. But was that like constant? Um, I honestly think it began to get worse when I quit gymnastics. I think that, um, I think that having all of my time filled really helped kind of like keep it at bay. Like I didn't have time to think about that or anything. And then when I quit gymnastics, I quit when I was about 14, but it was during that time between like 11 and 14, I guess that things were kind of amping up. And I saw a therapist for the first time when I was, gosh, um, I want to say that I was like 14 or 15 and I've been on medication since then. So, um, and not always the best medication and not always with the best doctors or anything like that. But, um, I don't know what the, if there was any like big thing that was wrong at that point, like there wasn't like, there was no event that happened or anything like that to make me feel that way. It was just like when I became aware that I felt like something was different, something was wrong. Yeah. And that's more what I meant. Like what was the thing that was the moment I knew, um, I was 11 years old and we were at golden corral. And that'll do it to you right there. <laughs> right there. Right there. It's just, I hate golden corral to this day. Um, but yeah, I was, I got upset about something and I stayed in the car when everybody else went inside, which tells you like what a different time it was that they left an 11 year old in the car. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was normal back then. Right. Yeah. Listen, and, we got to eat. Yeah. And they were just like, okay, let's, let's like let her cool off or whatever. I don't remember what I was upset about, but I remember distinctly it was the first time I ever hurt myself because of how I felt. And that was like, 
I mean, I can remember it very clearly. And um, so, yeah, that was probably the moment when I knew something was different. Yeah. I feel like we have, um, as far as mental health goes and feelings and the way we think about things, we're very similar. But that's something mm-hmm. I don't really relate to because I haven't, I haven't done that. That's I'm, good. Well, yeah, but I'm wondering, like, what, so what's the... Um, what relief do you get from that? Like what's it, explain what that feeling is, like what makes you want to do it? And then what, what's the feeling afterwards? Um, from what I remember, it's been a long time since I've done it. The last time I did it, I was 22, I think. Um, from what I remember, it's very like, it's almost like this buildup of tension. And then when you do the self harm, there's this endorphin rush that comes with it. Um, and that kind of feels like a release of all that tension. But then like afterwards you feel ashamed and like what's wrong with me. And, um, I can remember, I think that the most shameful part of it for me was when someone at school realized what I was doing and told on me and I had to be called to the counselor's office and the counselor actually was someone that knew my mom. Oh, And, um, she didn't ever tell my mom. Um, but she, I think she gave me the option that like I could tell my parents or she would or something like that. And I don't remember exactly how that went, but my mom did find out about it. Um, but like she took me into her office and I all through probably the starting in ninth grade, all the way through high school, I would wear long sleeve shirts because I would hurt myself like on my arms and stuff. And I didn't want anybody to see that. And I think one time in high school, someone saw it and they went to the counselor and told her what I was doing. And I was just, I was so mad. I was so upset. Like I was pissed. And um, I still don't know who it was. Really? Yeah. I still don't know who it was. So if you're out there. (laughs) Yeah. If you're listening. (laughs) Yeah. If you're listening, I'm okay now. (laughs) I can tell you it wasn't me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Promise you that. Yeah. Oh. So was it cutting? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Cutting. What would you use? Uh, straight razor blades. Is that like the weapon of choice for? Um, I don't know. I guess they're not straight razor blades. Just like the razor blades that come in the disposable packages. Oh yeah, the, like the re- well, replaceable. Like they're they're the little rectangular ones. Yeah. Yeah, I would get those, and I would usually buy like a box of bandages at the same time so like i don't know how the person that was checking me out at walmart was ever just like oh this is okay <laughs> like this, like, this hey, kid that's... i'm bad with a blade don't yeah, worry about exactly. it exactly like yeah i don't know but yeah that's what i would use and um one time i used a kitchen knife oh yeah now how, how deep are we like is not it... deep not deep enough to just just enough to draw blood okay like it was never about trying to kill myself yeah, you just yeah. get that sensation. Yes. Like enough pain. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so where, how'd you how'd you get out of that? Because you said you did that only till you're 22. And- yeah, I had um, I had a Taekwondo instructor who actually caught me doing it. Um, I don't think he caught me like at, in the act, but he realized what I was doing, and he was like, "Okay, so here's the deal: like either." you quit this forever or I'm going to take you right now to, I think the place is called Red Rock. 
the I don't know exactly what the name of it is, but it's like a rehabilitation center slash psychiatric facility. I think I know about that one. Okay, and he and at the time when I was seventeen, that was pretty scary, like for someone to tell me. Like now I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, but um, that was pretty scary to me at the time, especially because he was a cop, and um, I thought that he had the authority to do that, and um, I stopped for a while, and then when I was like twenty one. I was in a relationship that was not um, super great for me or for the other person, I don't think. And then at the time I was 22, like sometime right before we broke up, I started doing it again. And that was kind of like a little relapse that happened. And that was very short lived. Like I was able to pull myself out of that and stop doing it. But the main thing that really stopped me was that intervention from someone else. So it's nice that somebody's willing to do that or say yeah, something. Willing I'm to be sure, the bad guy. Yeah. And it's, it's tough mm-hmm. to know what to say. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't even think I would know what to say to someone. No. Even if you sort of understand, even if you want to understand, it's still mm-hmm. like, what do you right. say? Yeah. I still struggle with that. Like relating to other people about mental illness. Like, cause I'll, all I know is like my story. Right. And I don't know exactly how they're experiencing it. And I still struggle with like, what's the appropriate thing to say? What's the right thing? What's the magic thing to say in this situation to make it better? Cause I just want to make it better. Yeah. Cause even with like addiction and mm-hmm. I mean, lots of problems in life, you you can never say the right thing. Right. I've said lots of wrong oh, yeah. things trying to say the oh, right thing. Yeah. Same. But I think it's, and intention matters. I mean, if you have good intentions and you're trying to help somebody, I think that's important. Right. And they're going to see that eventually, even if they don't in the moment. Exactly. Yeah. Because I'm sure people have said things that are offensive to me, but I know oh, yeah. that they're just trying. They're yeah. trying their best. Exactly. Like, yeah. So talk to me about more about bipolar disorder, though. Like, okay. I want to know, you've described this to me before, but what, tell me about like the mania mm. versus the like low points depression okay so i'm trying to think so like mania feels like this is an analogy that i like to use when people ask me what it feels like and i have never done meth but i would imagine it's almost like your brain like behind your back decides that it's gonna do like a bag of crystal meth and then just be like your problem now (laughs) like just good luck yeah exactly like um it's very like I can't sleep I can't um I I get where I'm I want to do like all these projects at once and I make all these plans like really grandiose plans where I'm like okay I'm gonna um start a YouTube channel and within a month I'm gonna have 5,000 subscribers because I'm gonna post like two videos I'm gonna post one in the morning and one in the evening like it's very um um intense and just unrealistic yeah you're ready to conquer the world exactly yeah and you think you can you really think you can do these things and um the other thing is pressured speech which i do really bad when i'm manic and that is like um i'm trying to think like i can tell when i'm doing it now um but it's just like this very rapid like um stream of consciousness kind of speaking that the other person kind of is just like not even really in a conversation with you. They're just there listening to all of this stuff that this word vomit that's coming so out, not really going anywhere or it's going everywhere. And- exactly. Like it could be either way. It could be like, um, it could be you talking about like the projects that you're going to do, or it could be, um, 
just random thoughts and it kind of it's just like this one-sided conversation really fast speaking um and it's almost like the person it's like if they don't say this they're gonna like combust or something like they've got to say this um I'm trying to think what other symptoms of mania that I experience um the worst manic episode that I ever had was in it was the last one that I had also it was in February of 2015 and um i can remember actually feeling a tingling feeling in my head like inside like like all over or just on like the top at, of your head like all over my head like it felt like my brain was on fire it was really weird it was very strange i had never experienced that before but it was like it was almost like this electricity was going through me constantly and another thing that i do is i become very irritable and i'm very like I snap at people. I'm very like um, just using poor judgment, using rash judgment. Um, I've put myself in dangerous situations when I've been manic before. Um, I've quit a job when I was manic, like walked into the office and just said, I'm done. Like this is my notice right now. I'm walking out of the building as soon as I finish this conversation with you. And that That was was that. Yeah, that was it. And um. I'm trying to think. I think that that's probably like the major points of mania for me. For depression, it's, um, for me, the depression manifests as anxiety a lot. Um, and then the anxiety kind of morphs into, then I feel bad about the anxiety because it limits me in what I can do. And so that feeds into depression. Sure. And then I'm just kind of, it's kind of like this vicious, the more depressed I get, the more anxious I get, the more anxious I get, the more depressed I get. And, um, for me, when I get depressed, I don't want to be around people, which I know is like the opposite of what you need to do when you're depressed. But like for me, when I'm depressed, I want to do all the things you're not supposed to do when you're depressed, like watch sad movies, read sad books, listen to sad music, yeah. just kind of wallow in it. Like but I think I a just, lot of people can relate to oh, that. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, cause that's what I'm, I'm, it's almost like. It's like a like attracting like kind of a thing. Like you just want more of this feeling. Like yeah. it's it's really bizarre. But yeah. Yeah, I think that's important to to talk about both too because I think a lot of people can relate to the depression side, even mm-hmm. if they've not really been depressed. Depressed, they can sort of sort right. of understand it. But the the mania, mm-hmm. I think that's something that's probably new to yeah. most people. Oh yeah, yeah. I think. Um, even my family, I think, still um, is very, they're very supportive. Um, but I wonder sometimes if it scares them, like if my diagnosis scares them. And um, like, I'm sure the the mania to me is far scarier than the, the depression. Um, I pretty much, I know how to curb the mania and like stop it in its tracks now pretty much. Like when I feel it coming on, I'm like, okay, it's time for a nap. <laughs> Like I need a nap because I, my psychiatrist actually told me that for a bipolar person, um, and maybe this is for everybody, this may be how all brains work, but, um, a nap can actually like reset your brain. And it's like how, if you feel really bad and you take a nap and, or like something's really bothering you and you're like, I'm just going to sleep on it. And in the morning you kind of feel a little bit better about it. Like, it's kind of like if I can get myself to take a nap, if I'm manic, then I can stop it. 
before really? it becomes, yeah. And that's all it takes. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. If I can take a nap and then I realize like another thing I have to do is like cut off the stimulation, like Facebook, my phone that goes away. Like I'm reading books, physical books and staying away from TV or anything that kind of amps me up. So, yeah. So what was the biggest change for you? Because I feel like I've known you when you were really young mm-hmm. and there were a lot of years where we didn't really talk. Yeah. And then there's now and I feel like you're pretty healthy. Yes, I, I am very healthy now. Um, There was a long time that I was not, though. There was a... Um, I was thinking about this on the way here tonight. Um, There were probably about 10 years of my life that um, are kind of lost in this, like to the mental illness. Like I was, um, I mean, I would say that during that time, I was pretty much for all intents and purposes disabled like by my mental illness in every capacity that I possibly could be like, um, going to school or working or, um, relationships, friendships, like any and all of that was very affected by the mental illness. And, um, it's been in the last, probably when I had that last manic episode in 2015, that was probably when I really hit a point where I realized I remember being so terrified by that and just thinking I if it if it is at all within my power I never want to feel that way again and I just kind of started getting really serious about taking my medication when I was supposed to because what led to that manic episode was me missing several doses of the mood stabilizer that I was taking at the time and that just spells disaster for me like if I miss my medication especially if I miss the mood stabilizer that's like the main, um, the main piece of candy that keeps me on an even keel. Oh, is it flavored? <laughs> yeah, it's very bitter. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. So what's, what's your feeling about medication? Because how, how many things do you take and what, like, how has that changed over time? Okay. Um, I love talking about this. Okay. Oh, really? So, yeah. Medication is yes, your because, topic? Yes. I, um, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this because for the first time in my life as a bipolar person, I am on the least amount of medication that I've ever been on. Um, there was a point in time where I was taking 10 different pills. Different pills? Yes. Every day? Every day. Yes. Between morning and night. Like some of them were in the morning, like maybe six were in the morning and then four were at night or some variation of that. Um, and now I take four a day. So I take, um, I take, I have to think about it because I take some supplements too, like, um, omega three and like vitamin D and stuff like like that. Regular stuff. That stuff helps. Um, I take Rex salty for my bipolar disorder, which has been like a miracle drug for me. Um, I take Prozac, I take Wellbutrin and I take a, it's like a prescription vitamin kind of, and it's called Inlight, and it's sort of, it's, um, it's like to get it, you have to take like a genetic test to see if you're predisposed to like certain things affecting your depression level. Okay. It's something like that. And that was how I ended up being put on it because I have like the genetic marker for something that this drug helps. So, and I'm on the least amount of medication that I have been on since I was diagnosed as bipolar. So, yeah. Wow. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's a huge deal. Let's get it down to one. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm always like, I'm torn because, you know, you hear different things about mm-hmm. medications and like, is it, well, I don't know. I'm maybe speaking more from my experience, but people want to know, is it necessary? Does it really help? Is there like the placebo effects? And I'm mm-hmm. always torn because I don't really want to be on medication yeah. forever. But then I'm like, well, I don't know, but I also feel fine. So right. it's, that's tough. Oh yeah. That's a big, um, I just recently took a course to become a, a speaker for um, NAMI and like tell my story and stuff and share it with people. And explain what that is for anybody who doesn't know. NAMI is the National Alliance on Mental Illness and they do a lot of work like in in different communities in every community pretty much that there's a NAMI organization and um, they provide things like family to family, which is like family members who have someone in their family that is mentally ill kind of supporting each other and just like a support group sharing experiences Um, they have courses that teach you about your loved one's mental illness or teach you about what is going on and like stuff like that um anyway um i'm gonna start doing the in our voices thing which is like me going to places and sharing my story and one of the things they talked about is how people will ask you like well is medication necessary Like, do you have to be on medication? And my answer to that, because I know it's different for everybody, but for me, yeah, it's necessary. Like it is 100%. I, I like, I don't, I don't love it. Like I have, um, there are definitely side effects, absolutely 100, 110% side effects, some of which will last forever. And, um, I actually developed a tick from one of the medications that I took and I still have it. I don't take that medication anymore, but I still have the tick. What is the tick? Um, every once in a while, my face, like my, um, my head will kind of jerk to the side. Oh yeah. And, um, a lot of people say they don't notice it. I haven't noticed it. Okay. Um, I, I notice it every time it happens, but a lot of people are like, Oh, I've never noticed that. And I'm like, okay, good. (laughs) That's that's good. I'm, I'm disguising it by being very animated. (laughs) So yeah, just like I just move my head around <laughs> yeah, all the I just, time. Yeah, exactly like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sucks because you know I do believe that. I mean, I feel like it's helped me. I know a lot of people who it's helped, but then at the mm. same time, I'm like, but can't we have something better? Isn't right. there like, is yeah. there a way to deal with some of this stuff where we don't have to? Speaking of which, this makes me think of something else I wanted to talk about because I would love to know if anybody else who has bipolar disorder has had this experience but um if you have bipolar disorder you are not supposed to smoke marijuana at all really because what happens is and i know that there are a lot of bipolar people out there who are gonna get mad at me for saying this but that's fine um preach preach yeah yeah um so when you are bipolar and you smoke marijuana whatever the thc is doing to your brain it induces schizophrenic symptoms so really yes like hearing voices seeing things and now, that, is that every time though not necessarily every time but the last time that i did it and i i heard a voice three days later like it was like someone was standing behind me talking to me in like this mumbling like incoherent just nonsense and i've experienced it actually a few times that i've taken the marijuana so taking it, did you take it like a pill? <laughs> no. Was it a, was it a gummy? <laughs> no. Um, I think that last time it was a gummy, but I don't know. Yeah. Oh man. So, so when'd you find that out? From my psychiatrist. She, um, she actually told me that when I very first started seeing her and I didn't listen 
and then it happened to me several times yeah exactly i'm like what does she know she just went to medical school so um so yeah she told me that and um it yeah i will not touch the stuff because it scared me so bad is that something that can turn permanent yes that's also scary yes that is what that is what she told me and that's the really scary part so if you have a bipolar disorder just be careful yeah because i know some about schizophrenia and i've done one of those mm-hmm. if, you, if you go on youtube i don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever done this you can do like a simulator sort oh, of really? thing so if you're wearing the headphones like we have mm-hmm. that are noise canceling and you push play it's like they i don't know it's hard to explain you can mm-hmm. just look up schizophrenia simulator. simulation yeah and it's you it's terrifying yeah the what from what i've heard doing that i mean it's and that's just a small glimpse into someone's Mm. life that actually has that it's it is scary like the girl um the girl i was telling you about earlier that i was in the hospital with um she would ask me she had schizophrenia and sometimes she would say hey is that person over there is that are they really there and like i would tell her no there's nobody there and so i mean i can't even imagine what that how scary that would yeah, be. Yeah, day to day. And yes, day to day. Hearing voices constantly, and it's sad because then, I mean, a lot of people look at somebody with schizophrenia or any mental illness, mm-hmm. and you think, well, they're just they're crazy. Yeah. I'm like, well, why don't you take a second and think about what their dates like? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I don't think they're. Uh, I don't think they chose to start seeing things and hearing things, and I don't think anybody right. chose to be depressed and. Then, I mean, now in some ways it's, it's their responsibility to get out of like, if you're Mm -hmm. depressed or if you have, I mean, certain things you need to, yeah, nobody can save you. Right. They can try, Mm -hmm. but I mean, you do have to, you have to play the hand you were dealt like it's the hand you wanted. Yeah. And you're going to have people, hopefully you're going to have people that support you, but at the end of the day, you do have to get yourself help. Yeah. Hopefully that doesn't sound too mean, but no, I mean, I think it's true. I think. I have a very hard time at this point and this is probably mean and people are probably going to not like me for it, but I have a very hard time having gone through what I went through and having fought as hard as I did to get to where I'm at. It's really, really hard for me to hear stories like about people who refuse to take their medication, even though it, even though they're destroying their lives with their mental illness, running it. It's very frustrating for me because I'm like, it can get better. It really can. Like, you know, it's just very, I don't know, but, and I feel bad for that. But at the same time, I try to give myself a little bit of slack because I know why I feel that way. Sure. But yeah, I have, I have sympathy for people who are going through hard times. I just Mm -hmm. know that I also, I feel like I worked really hard to, to be where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And I just, what I hate is when I see people that are able to get help and they refuse to. Yes. And I'm like, I yeah. don't, I can't do anything else for you. And right. you want to help and you feel bad because you're like, I see what could, it could be for you. Mm-hmm. And they don't want it. Right. They don't want the help. And that, no. that's frustrating. That's where, yeah, that's where it's very frustrating. Very much so. When you try to tell them, I know you can get help. Because yeah. I've, I've had help. Mm-hmm. And I know it works and I know, I know it doesn't feel like it's going to work. I know mm-hmm. it feels scary and helpless and all that stuff, but. And it's not always comfortable. No, it's not supposed to be comfortable. Yeah. I think a lot of times it's going to get worse before it gets better, but you, you oh, better yeah. be ready to deal with it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really good advice. Get out there and fix your brain. <laughs> yeah.
It's the only one you've got. Yeah. So love it. Yeah. Love your brain. Yes. That yeah, that is the worst because I I do I, at least I think I see people who could benefit from therapy or medication, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I'm I'm more hesitant to say things like that now because nobody wants to hear that either. Right. You need help. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody. nobody. Not that I've ever said it that way. <laughs> right. You could use a little help, yeah. buddy. Yeah. I've thought it plenty of times. Oh sure, I think we all have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you have some unresolved issues. Clearly. Yeah. Are you? You should talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. I know a guy. Yeah, exactly. What is one of your biggest pet pe- uh, pet peeves? Pet peeves about um, just mental health and maybe how people view Ooh. it. Ooh, there are so many. Um, I used to have a lot more than I do now. Um, a, a while back, before I got to where I'm at now, um, one of my biggest pet peeves used to be when people say would say crazy. Like when they would use crazy or bipolar as an adjective to describe someone. That that one still kind of bothers me when I hear like, oh, well, she's just bipolar. Like when what they mean is she's a bitch. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, she was fine earlier. Now she's acting crazy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I used to get really upset when people would say crazy or misuse bipolar. But I think now... Probably my biggest pet peeve is when um, when a mental illness, specifically bipolar disorder, I can give a specific example of this too, is used in the media um, as a plot device in fiction. Okay, so there was this movie, and mm-hmm. I cannot remember the name of it but it was about a girl whose mother kept seeing this ghost and the ghost was someone who had been in a a psychiatric hospital with her years and years before and they the the girl the haunt the ghost girl like ended up haunting the family and like at the very end of the movie the only solution was that the bipolar mom had to kill herself to get the ghost to go away oh that makes sense right and I, I remember the person I was with was like, that movie was so good. And I was like, what? Like, no. Like, I left so pissed. Like, I was like, you're literally telling people that have bipolar disorder that, like, their brain is broken and they should throw it away. Like, yeah. it's it was very, I felt like it was a very flippant kind of take on mental illness for a very shallow purpose. And I think they do that a lot too on shows like criminal minds where they'll be like, Oh, well they're bipolar. Like, Oh no. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've had people um, quit talking to me when they found out I was bipolar. Um, just immediate assumption being, Oh, you're crazy and you're going to kill me. Yeah. Kind I of can't thing. trust you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. You can't even trust yourself. Yeah, exactly. So what's your biggest pet peeve when it comes to oh, it's kind of along the same lines? Cause yeah. I've heard, um, wow. Oh, just different mental illnesses misused in the way they're, I mean, just, just like you said, mm-hmm. they're so bi- they're just bipolar. I've heard mm-hmm. that. And that bothers me or I'm so OCD. And I know we didn't really get to, much of me today which is fine we'll get to that no it's day. not it's not fine <laughs> i mean we're like you know we got six minutes left but oh wow we'll do an, okay. we'll do another one we'll do okay. we'll do another one where we talk about obsessive compulsive disorder but yeah when someone says oh, i'm just you know i'm just so ocd and mm-hmm. i'm like no you're not yeah no you're not you don't even know what you're saying you don't even know what that means right because people use that usually saying ah i just clean a lot 
I'm really OCD. Right. Like I like that, things neat. Yeah, that, that has nothing to do with obsessive compulsive disorder. There's all these like um, memes or like there was a, a slideshow that said something like anyone with OCD, this is going to drive you crazy. And then you look through them and it's like none of them have anything to do with OCD. It's all about just I've like that. one thing being out of place. And like, that's not what it's about. It's yeah. not what it's about at all. So those drive me crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, I can totally, I can relate to that. But also just making people scared of mental illness and yeah. Cause you're, you're not only making people who have it afraid cause you're like, Oh, I'm different, but you're making other people afraid to talk to those people. Mm-hmm. You go, Oh no, they have problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is it's never that big of a deal. It just sounds like a big deal. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it is your brain's a big deal, but it's like a lot of times it's just, you're dealing with it the same way anyone deal with any problem in their life. Right. Just happens to be, uh, your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's very true. Cause I think that physical illnesses get a lot more, um, credibility or like, oh yeah, I can, I can totally sympathize with you because you have diabetes or like, um, thyroid issues or like anything like you're like, oh, okay, that's legitimate. Like, but like if someone's like, well, I have, um, well, and we, we can get into, we may have to get into that next time. Like how you feel about the whole like self-diagnosed movement. Oh yeah. That's a whole other. Yeah conversation yeah so we'll maybe next time we can get into that because that i have some feelings about that <laughs> it's like the people self-diagnosing so they can feel like they're part of yes um, yeah Whew. yeah that's a I'm like you don't want to be part of this club no <laughs> yeah i yeah it's not it's not like um i don't know it's it's not something to want mm-hmm. and i'm not saying every person that self-diagnoses i just mean the people who claim the label because they want to feel like they are part of the group i guess like yeah feel part of something people do that with a lot of things people, people do that with a lot of things like especially now um but yeah like so. i'm a, i'm afraid of that because i i think that was also for why so long i was like no no, no there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. i'm fine i'm fine mm-hmm. or i can figure it out myself and then eventually i was like hey i think something's wrong with me <laughs> yeah <laughs> and even now I'm like, but I feel like I'm, I manage it. So I even feel bad talking about it too much. Cause I think there's so many other people that have it worse. I completely get that. So I'm like, I'm fine. Especially mm-hmm. when I see all the other issues other people are dealing with. Right. So I got help that I needed, mm-hmm. but I don't want to like put it out there for everybody. Right. There's a certain point where it feels like you're just looking for attention. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely, completely get that. Yeah. And I don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll just keep saying I'm fine. I'm <laughs> fine. Fine. Unless I'm talking to my therapist. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Listen, not fine. <laughs> not fine today, but you get it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Well, we have a couple minutes left. Okay. Do you have any final thoughts on mental health? Um, It's important. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's worth fighting for, I think. Like to get to the good place, like, cause it's out there, like it exists. 
if you're fighting mental illness right now, you can get to a place where it's not as horrible every day. It was like going to a real positive direction. And then you just said, so it's not as horrible. Okay. So it's good. So it's good every day. Like, okay. okay Cause I, I don't want to be like lie and say that every day of my life is like great now. It's like heaven every day. Yeah. Every day. Like I never struggle with anything. No, I still, I still very much struggle with, things but i am in so so much a better place now and have the coping skills i need to make those problems not seem horrible like they seem manageable yeah does that make sense yeah and i get okay. that i actually don't believe in being happy every day i yeah. believe in i think no matter what you do mm. you're gonna run into some really terrible problems throughout your life yeah no matter what oh and yeah and it's yeah. more about like how you face those challenges and those problems and how you react mm-hmm. to them than it is about just finding a way to be happy every day. Cause that's not really possible. Right. Um, I think that's more important. I think, um, I think a lot of people say they're looking for happiness when what they're really looking for is contentment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think contentment's a lot more of a realistic, like goal to find a life that you are content that makes you happy. Yes. But you're not going to be happy every moment of that life. No. But when you look at the bigger picture, you're right. like, I'm very happy. satisfied with this. Yes. I like where yeah. I'm at mm-hmm. and you have, Moments of joy. Yes. But you also have moments of sadness. Because that's and, life. Yeah. Like, that's and normal. anger. And it's yeah. like, but that's also what makes it mm-hmm. good. Yeah. So if you're hoping that every day is just going to be happy, I don't know, that t- takes away from life too. I, I think, think so. You need to be down to feel mm-hmm. even better about being up. If you were always happy, happiness wouldn't really mean anything. Yeah. It would just be the normal, like, oh, I just, I just feel normal today. Yeah. Just happy again. It's like pizza. Okay. I love pizza. Yeah. But if I eat pizza every day. Yeah. I'd get bored of pizza. That's true. And let's just say pizza. I think you get this, but pizza is happiness. (laughs) That's what I'm saying here. Pizza happiness. Okay. Okay. I'm glad you clarified. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know if you were with me, Uh, but I don't want pizza every day. Okay. Happiness. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes I want broccoli. You sadness know? yeah sadness <laughs> anger anger resentment all those things and then when i have that pizza once a week or whatever it is yeah god it feels good to be happy you exactly know? yeah i think that's a really good way to look at it yeah and maybe a great way to end it too yeah i think so i had fun me too we're gonna do it again we didn't really cover that much no we honestly. didn't honestly that didn't feel like 40 minutes at all no it never does and that's that's what no it's time to Get off the recording because you, you got to leave them wanting more. That's right. Or maybe they don't want any of this at all, but that's fine too. So we'll <laughs> they get off. <laughs> don't. It's pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll see. I, I'd love to do another one. I don't yeah, care if same. anybody's listening. So yeah. Uh, come back and we'll have another dark conversation. Awesome. All right. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. It was so good to have Marnie back on the show. Marnie also has her own podcast that you should check out. It's called Erioki. It's an Oklahoma podcast that focuses on true crime, unexplained phenomena, and local legends. It's a great show. She's releasing episodes weekly. I've been on an episode, so you can go check that one out. But either way, check out the podcast. Let her know what you think. But anyway, that's it for this week. If you like this episode, please let me know. If you hated this episode, please let me know. And if you have any ideas for future episodes, please let me know. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.